Uh, yeah, look, if technology doesn't work, back in the day we just preached from the Bible. Wasn't it good those days, Janelle, eh? You just had the Bible and you're standing, you could preach from the Bible and it's good. And I can still do that. Amen? I still love that. Uh, but we also are living in new technology where people can see more and learn more. We, we tab into all of the senses of a person. You know, see, hear and touch. Uh, we haven't got the touch bit yet, but just see and hear for now. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So um, I want to continue talking to you. And uh, remember last week Pastor Werner was here. And uh, before that we started touching and I said, what I want to do is to start talking to you about the first, the six churches or the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And today I want to start with that. But I must confess to you, and I'm going to be quite honest to you this morning, that during the week at one night... Uh, it wasn't a good night for me. I had a, a terrible pain and uh, I was awake. I, ne- I slept only one hour that night. And while I was uh, awake during the night, my brain just couldn't stop. It just could not stop. Because the Lord used that opportunity to deal with me with a sermon. He was just continuing on. I was lying in my bed and while I had this pain and I couldn't sleep, my mind, I, you know, it took me away from the pain, praise the Lord. And, and you know what, it was just going on. And what you're going to see today is, is some of the stuff which I couldn't, I had to get up. I had to get up in the morning. It was, it was at that point in time, three o'clock in the morning. And Leonie said to me, what is it again? I said, no, no, I need to go and sit at my desk now and write down the stuff, the things that's going on in my head. Otherwise, I'm not going to sleep at all. And uh, I was up there in my study and I was writing and I've scribbled it down there in my journal and I was just writing as it came over and one scripture after another scripture after another scripture and I said, Lord, but I want to preach about revelation. And he said, but it is revelation. Now I'm not claiming yet today that God spoke to me in an audible voice. You know me by now. I'm not that kind of guy who's trying to bring all of these funny, funny things out. He speaks through his words and every single thing that morning when I was sitting there, it was scripture upon scripture upon scripture and I knew now God was talking to me and I believe it is a message that we need to hear. So if you came here for me just to kick off with Revelation, I'm going to disappoint you but not. So I'm just still going to preach the Word of God. And you'll see how it ties into this. So uh, I want to talk to you today about the world did not know Him. Who, who can say Him into that? The world did not know Him. John 1.10. And we're going to look in that passage and work through that. As we are, as we are standing here today and as we are sitting in this place today, we know that there's things happening in the world. There's things happening while we are sitting here now which will impact the way you live. I mean, just look at it. You jump on a... I flew to Adelaide just last week. I, I, for the first time in 14 months, I went for work to Adelaide. And I'm telling you now, as being an experienced flyer, you know, who's flying so many times in my life, it, everything changed. You get off the airport and it's police everywhere. You get off there and you have to show people that you've got a permit. Soon it's going to be you have to show them that you've been vaccinated. Soon it's going to be showing them that you've been vaccinated twice. Soon it's going to show them that you are from this part in the world and you can't go to that part of the world. All these things happen. And the, and the, and the question that is asked amongst people whether they know God or not is, what is this world coming to? Have you asked that question? 
Have you wondered about that? When I, um, when I look around and I see the sermons that I follow and I see what's been preached in the world now, you see there's a shift. If you go, if you go, if you go and you look at sermons being preached, there's a shift now. And, and I'm, I'm aware and I'm careful. This is why I haven't preached. You haven't heard me preach in this church about the things that's happening in the world yet, have you? You haven't heard me preach about that. Because there's a shift going on now in preaching where people are preaching about the circumstances and not about Christ anymore. This is, this is an error that I don't want to fall into. Hence, I want to preach to you Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So I, I say it at the front, there is so many websites you can go and visit. There's so many preachers you can go and visit who's up to date with all of these things. I'm not that preacher. I want to preach Christ and Him crucified. And when I think about these things and they're in the middle of the night, and believe me, I'll, I've got to finish my testimony about that because... It happened to me so many times over the years where the Lord wakes you up, literally, you know, through a circumstance, you sit and you start, sit with Him and you spend time with Him, that He blesses you with the Word. And the same thing happened on that particular day because I, I vividly remember saying, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it the next day because I've got two important meetings at work and I need to be switched on. You know what I'm talking about. I can't sit there with a glare in, my, you know, in this room full of people, intellectual people, and just, uh, I can't do that. And I asked the Lord uh, for His grace because I didn't deserve that. I asked him and I said, Lord, please give me just a little bit of sleep without any pain. And when I wake up, please strengthen me with strength so that I can be switched on. And I tell you what, brother and sister, I think I've slept an hour, hour and a half maybe. But when I woke up there, it was as if I had to sleep like a baby. I don't, I don't want you to, to think, can I believe this man or not? I know what I went through. And when I went into those two meetings, man, I was on fire. My brain was clear, and I could, could, I could just take stuff in, and, I, and this is how God works. So this is sort of a little bit of that. So hopefully, uh, you know, I've built you up now, and you go, wow, tell us what this is. And hopefully, you know, I haven't put you up there, and now it falls apart, but the Word of God will never fall down. So I want to go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And next week we will look a little bit about John and where he got this revelation. But I want you to look at this verse intentively. He says, Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, obviously written by John, the apostle whom God loved. Not John the Baptist. There's some people who still believe it's John the Baptist. It's not. It's John the apostle whom God loved. He's, he actually got that title around his name, the apostle whom, whom Jesus loved. And this apostle sits on the Isle of Patmos, and we'll see next week why, but he writes this down for us. He says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, to Jesus, to show his servants, John, first of all. You need to read it like this. Okay, so... It's the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him, and I'm going to show you a timeline to show that, but God gave Jesus the revelation, and now he's showing it to his servants. It is a revelation. The word revelation, revelatos in, in Latin, means it's like a curtain. It's like these curtains. 
you know, you don't know what's on the back side of these curtains. But if I press a button down there at the back, uh, uh, you know, electronically, the, you know, this is great, isn't it? I don't have to pull them like in the old days. But you press a button there at the back and it starts opening up. And, and first when it opens up, you will just see a small bit going and bit going. And you can see in there, you see there's stuff behind it. But you can't see it all, can you? Until the whole thing opens up and you can see what's behind it. It's only a sound system, by the way. But that's what Revelation is. And when you think about Revelation of the book of Revelation, and by the way, by the way, listen to when people preach. This is not Revelations. There's not an S at the end of it. It's one Revelation, which was given to one man to give to the world. I digest, but let me just continue on with this. Keep, keep track here. So, I want you to understand what Revelation is. It is, a, it is a, it's an unveiling. It's a, it lifts up, and slowly but surely, you can put it all together until you see the whole picture. So, you ask me this morning, preacher, what's the world coming to? I want to tell you, read Revelation and understand Revelation, and you will know. You will know. Oh, but Revelation is such a difficult book. No, it's not. Oh, but I don't understand everything about Revelation. Well, let me ask you the question. When you, for the very first time in your life, picked up your Bible and started reading to it, was it a difficult book? Come on, tell me. If you're honest, you're going to say yes. Because you started reading, you, did, you didn't have a clue what you were reading. What is this all about? You know, John, James, Mark, T, Tao, it's all over the place. But when you spend time in it and you continue in it, what happened? The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He started opening up certain things to you. Now I can preach for hours on end about the book which I as a young man couldn't understand. How did that happen? It's a miracle. It came from God. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. You ask me, preacher, what's the world coming to? It's right there. Things. Everybody say things. Now, when I say things, we are looking in the world, on the news, on your TV, in the newspapers, what's happening in Israel, what's happening with the, with the viruses, what's happening with China, what's happening with Russia. Those are all things. It's all things. This not necessarily talk about those things. It talks about God's plan of what's going to happen. Okay? I don't want to lose you there, but you need to understand where this is going. Which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. And by the way, he was sitting on the Isle of Patmos. We'll see that next week for two reasons. Because of the witness of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. You and I will be persecuted not long from now for two reasons. You will be persecuted for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is why your work colleagues and the world don't like you when you start talking about Jesus. Don't give us that Jesus nonsense, they say. Am I right? That is the word of Jesus and the testimony which is in you. We don't like to bring you to our parties because, you know, when you come into the parties, it's as if, you know, the party animal is not there anymore. We can't have fun because, you know, we feel convicted by you. 
you are persecuted for two reasons. The word of Jesus Christ and for the testimony of Christ. Where is the testimony of Christ living? Tell me. Inside of you. He says, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the world. Well, wait a minute. I thought he was the light, John 1.1. 1, 1. Yes, he was, but he gave that life to you and that light in you. Now you become that testimony to the world. So this is where we start. But I want to take now a little bit of a, a different tack here. I want to go away from Revelation, but still stay there. And then we'll come back to Revelation. And uh, we're going to go into the books of Revelation and the churches. So as you know, in your timeline, we were talking about transitional books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were written still under the Old Covenant. And we know that when Jesus Christ walked on the earth, and when He spoke before the cross, He was not necessarily talking to the church. He was talking at that point in time to His own people. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't come to me and say, wait a minute, preacher. You know, the whole Bible is for everybody. It's, yes, it is. Do I still read the books of Matthew, Luke, James, and John? And does God still build my faith? Of course. I got saved through the book of John, the gospel. This Gentile standing here, this guy was saved by the grace of God and the first books that formed my Christianity, that formed my new life, was the gospel of John. So I'm not saying that they don't apply to us, but it's transitional books. When Jesus was living in that time, and this is in that sermon which I preached two weeks ago, when he was living in that time, he was still living under the old covenant, he was still going to the, the synagogues, he was still doing the Passover meals, he was all of the Old Testament ordinance was still there. And he was speaking to them in that time. Then we know that when a testator dies, Hebrews says that, when a testator dies, the testament comes into action. This is where you find the New Testament. When did the testator die? He died at the cross. So I find that when Jesus was walking before the cross, one day, a few days before he died, he walked to his disciples and he said these words to them. He said to them in John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. You can't bear them now. Now I can resonate with that verse. When the Lord saved my soul and I started reading the Bible, I didn't understand half of the things that I know now. Because I couldn't bear them then. But as I grew in the Lord and grow by grace, He showed me more things. And here He said to them, to His disciples, remember He wasn't talking to the church here. He was talking to his disciples. He says to his disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, J uh, John, uh, um, um, Thomas, and all of his disciples. He said to them, I've got so many things still to say to you, but you will not be able to bear it. And also, in, in John 5, 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Now, Jesus was saying these words while he was still on the earth, and it was before the cross. He was still a man like us. You say, wow, preacher, what can I learn from that? Well, you and I, the Bible says, we can do nothing except Jesus gives us the strength to do it. You can do all things through Jesus Christ, isn't it? We've got those scriptures. It's the same that Jesus, when he was on the earth, 
He, wasn't, he was God with us. He was Emmanuel, but it's not as if he operated like a God on the earth. No, he was man just like us. And when he was with us, there were certain things which he couldn't tell us, that he couldn't, they couldn't be able to bear it. And all he said to them, if you see what, you, what I do, and when the Gospels write about me, is everything the Father wanted me to come and do. One of the biggest things the Father wanted him to come and do is to do what? To die on the cross for his children. So he got that from the Father. To come to the cross to die, he went down into Hades. He was risen again. We went through this all. And then he was taken up by the clouds into heaven. Now I want you to think about this now. From that time, after he was risen, 500 people saw him on the earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, everybody saw him on the earth. They saw this is Jesus. He said to Thomas, come and put your, your fingers in my wounds. Feel it's me. And then he went up into heaven and you don't see him again. Do you? You don't see him again. Remember what he said to John when he gave him the revelation. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. John is sitting on the Isle of Patmos. He saw Jesus the last time when he was walking after he was resurrected from the grave. That's the last time he saw him. Now Jesus appears to him again. I want you to think about this. There was another time when Jesus appeared to somebody. There was. If you look at the timeline, Luke chapter 24, 14, just after he, he went up, onto the, uh, up into heaven. This is a miracle. This is fantastic. There were two men from Emmaus. They were, they were on their way to Emmaus. Emmaus? Do I say that? Emmaus. Thank you, my brother. They were on their way to Emmaus, and look what happens in Luke 14, 24, 14, and they talk together of all of these things. You see, there's the things again. We are always compiled by things that happens around us. They were talking about things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they do not know him. What is going on here? What is going on? Jesus was taken up and these men, they didn't know him. They didn't know it was Jesus. And he started from Moses and explained to them what? The gospel. And it's so wonderful that when he departed, they were eating bread and when he departed, they knew. And they said, how was it that when he spoke to us, it felt so good inside of us? Is that what the word still does to you? And then, again, we saw another happening here. You remember when, when Stephen, when in Acts chapter 5, uh, 7 verse 55, he was full of the Spirit and, and they wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him because what? He preached to them the gospel. You see, for the word of God and for his testimony, this is why they wanted to kill him. And what happened? He looked up into heaven and what did he say? He said, I saw Jesus standing next to the Father. And this is another sighting of Jesus. And then we find another thing happening in our timeline, and that is in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, where the man who's called Saul of Tarsus, you remember Saul of Tarsus? Who became Paul, he was going with his people to catch the people of the way. The name of the first church in the Bible was the way. 
the people of the way. And he was going to capture them and throw them in prisons and kill them. And while he was on the road of Damascus, a light surrounded him. And what happened? Look, let me just say, he wasn't knocked off his horse. That is something that a preacher came on later on and said. They reckon he was on a horse and then he fell off. But that is not scriptural. But anyway, a light appeared around him. And it's wonderful when you read. He says, then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuted? me and he said who are you Lord then the Lord said I am Jesus whom you are persecuting it is hard for you to kick against the goats so who did who did who did Paul see he saw Jesus and now if we look we see John sitting on the Isle of Patmos and we see Jesus appearing to him now it's wonderful that if you see these things he preached the gospel when he came the first time to these men here he showed support to Simon and here he he actually was part of you know getting Saul to come on board and to be saved but here he gives us a revelation of the things to come so tell me if the book of Revelation is an important book or not So we find him here, and it's so powerful and so wonderful to understand that if you understand what the prophecies say or, or what Revelation is going to show us, then you will understand the things in the world, and now my phone is playing up. Me and technology these days, I've got to get uh, a little bit of these uh, young men to come and show me how this works. So, so we find all of these things happening, but I want to take you now to Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. This is one of the most profound statements that Jesus made. I want you to look at this. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. So he says, I'm the beginning and the end, and who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now look at these tenses here. He says, who is, what tense is that? Current. Who was past? Who is to come? Future. And I want you to take courage out of this, brother and sister. And that means that he encompasses every single thing. He says, I am that. I am the past. I am your present. I am your future. I mean, even for a family who's going away into uncertainty, he, his volume fills every single thing of your life. You say to me, but when I was a young man, I was, not, I was without Christ, I was, you know, I was a sinner and all of those things. Yes, I understand that. But when He comes and He saves your soul, He takes care of that. So that you, you, He becomes the was in your life. He was there for you. We find this statement four times in Revelation 1, 11, 21, 6. And then again in Revelation 22, verse 13. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I want you to understand that this is the unifying thought of the whole Bible. This, this thought here of Jesus. It unifies the whole Bible. It is the platform of the Old Testament and the New Testament. He says, who was, is, and is to come. This statement of Him, it, it brings everything together. It tells you and me that He's the volume of the book. He is the volume of the whole book. The whole Old Testament is about Jesus. Now, today is about Him and the future is about Him. Look at this. 
in Revelation 19.10. And he fell at his feet and worshipped him. This is John with an angel. But he said to him, he said to me, this is the angel. He said, um, see that you do not do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. Now, let me just say it to you. I do not believe in the so-called self-proclaimed prophets of today. I do not believe in them. You've got a lot of churches now with a, you've got an apostle and a prophet in the church. And when the prophet speaks, he speaks on behalf of God. Oh, this is prophet now and this is what. What's that God? Yes, God says this, this, this and that. No, this is not that. And this verse shows it because Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does it mean, preacher? What does it mean? What does it mean when he says that? It means that every single prophecy in the Bible is about Jesus. Now, I know I was in the church one day and there was a man coming to me and he pulled me to a side and he says, I've got a word from God for you. For me? Yes, just for you. It's a personal word for you. From God? Yes, for you. Not for everybody. It's just for you. This is your word. I said, well, you better tell me. And he told me, and I went, that's no scripture in what you're telling me. So I went home that afternoon, and I it struggled, and I went and I prayed. And the first prayer that I prayed, I was troubled, honestly. I said to Leone, I said, there's something wrong here. I need to find out. And I went into my room and I started praying to God. I said, Lord, what's going on? Why are you not talking to me anymore? Why do you have to use that person to talk to me? You see, this is a relationship with God. When I've got a relationship with Him, He speaks to me because I'm His son. And I speak to Him because He's my father. I don't need another interpreter anymore. I don't need another high priest than Jesus Christ. I don't need a priest. I don't need a prophet. I can speak to the Father. And I was praying that afternoon. It really struggled. I said, Lord, this man gave me this word. He said it's from you. But I was here this morning and I was reading the scriptures and we had a very good time. Why didn't you tell me that, Lord? And you know what I found out? That was not of God. So I was on the phone. I called that man up. I said, brother, I'm just calling you because I just came out of prayer. And, you know, I just want to find out where did you get this word? And he got mad at me. And the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. So what am I saying, brother and sister? Be careful, because he gives us a revelation which is a prophecy, and he says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus. Where is the testimony of Jesus? In the Bible. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything needs to be connected to the Bible. It comes back to the Bible. Now look at Hebrews chapter 10, 5. He says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering did not desire, but the body to have prepared for me and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I came, I come. In the volume of the book is written to me to do your will. The volume of the book is written of me. The whole Bible is written of Jesus. You say, in the Old Testament, we had all of these, uh, all of these uh, feasts, the feasts that's happening, and you know, the tabernacle and everything. Everything of that is a shadow. Listen to me. 
The Old Testament is a shadow of the substance. In the substance came and He was born and lived amongst us. And in Him, in Him everything was completed. He fulfilled the whole law. I've heard some people say to me that He fulfilled just the sacrificial laws. <laughs> I can't read it here. He fulfilled the whole law so that I don't have to stand under the law in my own strength, but I stand, uh, listen, under the law through Jesus Christ. But I hurry on, I want to ask you this question which kept me awake. Do you know Him? That's the question. Remember, He came and the world did not know Him. We can't go any further, brother and sister, if you can't answer this question. Do you know Him? I mean, you can do the study with me. I will give you stuff and you'll go, wow, this is fantastic, you know. I'm going to tell my friends what I've learned here and I'm going to tell them. You can even open up your Bible and you can show them where you've written it down. But let me tell you, a parrot can do that as well. There's no substance in a parrot. We had one in New Zealand. His name was Max, a rainbow lorikeet. And Max had two things that he, he did very well. He could say, hello, I'm Max. Everybody coming, hello, I'm Max. No, no, he said, hello, Max, that's right. Hello, Max. Hello, Max. So we take him to the vet one day. We had to do something, and the vet had to look at him. And as we walk in, there was a dog, and he go, Hello, Max. And there was a person sitting there, go, Hello, Max. That's a parrot. And the other thing he could do is he could make the noise of the phone. The only thing distinguished between him and that was he couldn't make that, that pause between it correctly. Because the phone goes, But Max couldn't do that. He goes, tur, 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 tur. and then we know it's Max. Don't worry, it's Max. Max, be quiet. But that's a parrot. And you know what? There's so many parrots who comes around and they, they want to proclaim to have all of these things, but it comes via the Spirit. The question here this morning is, do you know Him? Because all of these things will mean nothing to you if you don't know Him. And I want to hurry up because I want to give, give, bring you to the Scripture back now. John chapter 1 verse 10. Look at this now. Very interesting. He was in the world and the world was made through Him and the world did not know Him. There's our theme. He came into the world and, he, and, and the world did not know him. The, the word here for know is the word gnosko. And gnosko means an experient, experiential knowledge. You have to experience somebody. That's what it means. It means to know someone personal. And if you think about the word know, to know someone is that you know what they like or dislike, isn't it? Or you know what they what, what makes them happy or what makes them sad. Or you can actually know what is the insecurities and what is their strengths. You can even know somebody's favorite food. If you come to me and you ask me, Glenn, what is my favorite black forest? You can even know that of people. So these are things, if you talk about knowing someone, you answer these things and you go, I know that person, but I want to disagree with you because if you take all of those things, of a person, and you throw them into a book, and you write a biography about that person, it doesn't mean you still know the person. You know, if I read a biography about any person in life, Edmund Hillary, the man who climbed Everest, I read, I read the biography of, of Edmund Hillary, 
And I read that Edmund Hillary didn't like fish, but he liked meat. And I read that these were his insecurities when he looked at the mountain and he, and he felt that he didn't have enough strength. He didn't have the confidence to take the first step. You know, I read all of these things in a book and I go, these things made him really mad when he saw the serpents coming up to him and they were talking about stuff and throwing stuff out. That made him mad and I know what makes this man mad, but it does not mean that I know that man. I know of him. But I don't know him. And this is how a lot of people know Jesus. They know of him, but they don't know him. So, so here is the thing. If we come and we look at the revelation of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, I want to make 100% sure that if we continue in this church talking about that, that you know Jesus Christ. And... I was sitting with this in that morning and I go, but Lord, how, how do you know somebody then beyond the book? How then? You all know now that I love black forest cake, but there's certain things of me. You, you know me to the level. You know me from here every Sunday when you see me. But some of you don't know me more than just that. But if I bring my wife in here, I'll go, there's somebody in this room who knows me. You know me but she knows me you know what's the difference between the two the one has got an s on the end <laughs> but look at this you see when you want to know somebody beyond the book you need to spend time with that person and when you spend time with somebody something interesting happens emotions becomes part of knowing Listen to me this morning. If you've never heard this before, you need to understand what this means. Emotions becomes part of knowing somebody beyond the book. Because now, when I spend time with you and I understand the emotions, I can sit with you and I can know that if I'm going to do something, it's going to hurt you. And it's going to bring tears in your eyes. I read it in a book and I go, so what? But if I'm with you, and, and you don't even have to tell me anymore, I don't like it. I can see it. Are you with me now? Insecurities. All of us has got insecurities. Everyone in this room has got an insecurity. You don't know my insecurity. But if I bring my wife in here, and, and you know what? And I say to her, honey, come and stand here and tell these people what is my insecurities. Now, if you've read the book, if she's read the book of John Shipman's biography, she will come up here and she will tell you what she's read in the book, what is my insecurities. But listen now. This is where the difference comes in. If I get my wife and she comes stand here and I say, don't open a book, tell these people my insecurities. You know what she's going to tell you people? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because it's not for you. It's for her. Why? Because God made us both coming together to complete one another. Are you with me now? This is knowing somebody. You see, she didn't read a book about me. We spent time together. When she comes to me and, she, and she's in pain, I can feel the pain because I spent time with her. Do you know him like that? 
you know, better than my wife, Jesus knows me. And if I ask Jesus Christ to come here and stand behind the mic and say to everybody in this room, my insecurities, what will he say? Nothing. He will say to you, he's under my blood, covered by my strength, and that makes him complete. Do you know him like that? Do you know him like that? Because if you know him like that, you would read the book. Now you can do this. You can read this book as a biography of Jesus. I just told you a parrot can do that as well. And there's a lot of Christians who live by that. And they will come to you and say, you can't do that because the Bible... And they get always more you know, frantic to get that verse. It's always, I'm going to get it. Yeah, the Bible says you can't do that. That is parrot. No, no, no. No, no, you know how it works? I know him because I've studied the scriptures and I became emotional with that. Because he showed my weaknesses out of the word. And now when I come in front of a situation... I don't actually have to go frantically look for the verse. I know now that what I'm going to do is going to hurt him. There's the emotion. I'm going to refrain from what I need to do. I know him. You see, this is where it comes to know him. Do you know the world didn't know him like this? And we find some evidences in this. You know, I love it in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For unto us... A child is born, unto us a son was given. And we sing that song, don't we? And how wonderful is it that the son was given, he came into the world. And the world was made through him, and the world didn't know him. We find a man by the name of Herod. Do you remember Herod? When the, all of these men came from the east and they came because they were Jews in captivity there. And while the Jews were in captivity, they were telling them, the scriptures, they were reading them, the old scriptures in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament it said, the king of the Jews is coming, he's coming, he's coming. Wait until you see the light in the sky and you will know that the, the king of the Jews were born. Not the kings on the earth, but the real king. And when, the, when they looked in the east, they saw the, for the first time, they saw the star. They knew they needed to go and find this king. So we went all the way to Jerusalem. They came there and they... They said to them, where is Jesus, the king of the Jews, who has been born? For he'd seen the star in the east and become to worship him. Herod was the king then. He goes, oh, I'm the king. This is troubling me. It was troubling the whole nation, their own people. And what did he do? He sent people to kill all of the children two years and younger. And by the way, the nativity scene is not correct publicly. Because when these men came... Jesus was already two years old. He wasn't a baby. So when you see the nativity scenes where, where you know these three men came and they put their gifts at the feet of a baby lying in it, that's not true. Read your Bible, people, because what happened, the boy was already running around. He, and this is why Herod was killing two-year-olds and younger, not babies. He could have killed less people if, he, if it was a baby. But anyway, I digress. 
And then again in Pilate, who remembers Pilate? When he came to Pilate, he was standing in front of Pilate, and he said to Pilate, who are you? And he says, are you the king of the Jews? And said, Jesus said to him, as you said. In other words, yes, I am. And what did he do? He said, I can find no fault in him. He washed his hand in innocence, and he sent him to the cross. He came to the world, and the world did not know him. And you know what? He died, and he went up, and he, and, and, and what I say is the world still don't know him. And let me continue on. Because you say, is it important to know? And the answer is yes. I, I like what this man said, but I'll, I'll save you what he said. I'm just going through time now. And then in John 17 verse 3, he says, and this is eternal life. Is it important that we know him? Yes. Why? Who believes in eternal life? What is eternal life? It's life after death. It's life after death. So this is one of the most critical. Forget about Revelation. Forget about getting excited studying Revelation. The most important thing today for you before you walk out these doors is to know Him because that gives you eternal life. He says it right there. And this is eternal life that they may gnosko, know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, and His Son, Jesus Christ, the true God have and eternal life. You see, you do not have eternal life if you don't know Him. Think about this. Jesus preached. How many people heard Him preach? There were thousands. I mean, would you love this morning for me not to be the preacher? I would absolutely love it to be able to sit there and Jesus himself in person stands here and preach to you. Would you love that? I'm telling you, if I advertise that next week and say, no, no, true, honest, honestly, Jesus is going to be here in person. Somehow we're going to have him here. We will not have a space here. I mean, we will have to break out those windows and people will be sitting over the street there to come and listen to Jesus. Oh, if I can only hear Jesus preach, what will happen? My life will change. Well, yeah, I look at the Bible and I look at the Old Testament and I look at all of these people who were sitting there and they heard him, they heard his own voice and where are they? One day he turned to them and he said to them, you will eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, what? You're a cannibal. We can't do that. And thousands walked away. It was him who said that, not me. And this is so important. Thousands heard him and they still perished. So, let me bring you to a timeline and we're nearly finished. He came to his own. You see, his own was the Jews. And this is again, I put it under the Old Testament and again, you've got the transitional books here. And in this time here, between him being born and going to the cross, we find that he was came to his own and they rejected him. Now, I want to give you one scripture verse. If you haven't seen this, this might blow your mind, okay? Because one day he walked into the synagogue. You see, again, he was doing the old covenant things. He walked into the synagogue. By the way, when Paul came and he preached here, he also went to the synagogues, but then he went and preached in and the trees. Isn't it interesting? But here we find in Luke 4, 18, this is a really critical passage. If you've got your Bible, I want you to note this. Because people ask me, what time are we living in? And I say we are living in the dispensation of grace. And here is the proof. Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So what happened? Jesus walks into the synagogue, like teachers do. 
And when they walk in the synagogue, the people will walk up to a rabbi and they will give him the scrolls, not a Bible. They give him a scroll. He will then take the scroll. It's a long scroll. Roll it open. And then he will find a passage. Everybody will stand and he will read the passage to them. And then the teacher sits down. If the teacher sits down, it's the seat of authority. He sits down. Everybody sits down. He opens up his mouth. Nobody speaks. The teacher speaks. He did the same thing this day. They gave him the scroll of Isaiah. Have you seen that book of Isaiah in your Bible? It's a long book. It's a long book. It wasn't chapters. He take it. He roll it open. He meticulously go to chapter 61. Now, if you look at chapter 61, it's round about in the middle of the scroll. So, it wasn't as if it was just hurrying, going to the top or to the... He looked through the whole scroll. Everybody waited for him. He went through the whole scroll. He went through the whole scroll. Went through the whole scroll until he came to this place. And this is what he read. In the New Testament, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And what did he say? To poor... He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty on those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Everybody say acceptable year of the Lord. What is that? That is grace, isn't it? The acceptable year of the Lord. Then what did he do? Verse 20. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the, to, to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all of the synagogues were fielded on him. Look at this now. He closed the book. Halfway through the verse. I would have sat there and said, excuse me, Jesus, you didn't complete the verse. <laughs> you didn't complete it. There's a purpose for that. We open up now the scroll ourselves this morning in Isaiah chapter 61. And word for word, that's just what he read. Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, at that comma, he closed the book and gave it back to them. Now, you ask me, where does the book of Revelation fit in? I'm showing you. Look. What did he... What did he stop? This is why he said, Jesus, excuse me, respectfully, you didn't finish the verse. What did he stop? And the day of the vengeance of whom? To comfort all who mourn. And the day of the vengeance of our God. Brother and sister, you and I are still living in the acceptable year of the Lord. That is called the church age. And starting next week, I'm going to show you that time. And I'm going to show you exactly when it stops. Now let me ask you, just based on this, what happens after the, the, the day or, or the acceptable year of the year? What happens after it? And the wrath of God is going to come upon this earth. And it's going to punish for seven years Israel. You see this? Jesus closed the book. He sat down and he started telling them, I am that man. And what did they do? He came to his own and they did not receive him. In verse 28, so they all in the synagogue were heard these things. They were filled with wrath. They wanted to kill him. They were blinded and he walked away from them. Brother and sister, he came to his own and they did not receive him. 
We see that Jesus died, he went up, and the church age started the acceptable year of the Lord. The church started here at Pentecost, and we are still there. And now we get the good news, which is written to us by John. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, he came to his own, and they rejected him. And I thank God, because that opened up the door for as many as received. There's three groups of people here. Three groups of people. One, the world. The world did not know him. Two, his own people. And then a Gentile like me, but as many. You can call me after this. I'll, I'll change my name, okay? It's not Pastor John anymore. It's Pastor But As Many. I'd like to be in that crowd. Do you want to be in that crowd? But as many as received him. The question is, do you know him? And, and this is just one verse that I'll throw in here. If you say, but how? You know, Romans chapter 8 verse 10, he says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess the, with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can be called but as many. But as many. So brother and sister, I will start next week and I will continue with this. You see, we've only started with one verse. We've only started with one verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The question is, is do you know him? Which God gave him to show his servants. Next week... God willing, I will show you the circumstances and then I will also give you the key, the key to the book of Revelation. The theme of Revelation is, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. Did God speak to you this morning? He certainly speak to me and I pray that God don't use a night where you can't sleep to speak to you but speak to you in church. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning. I thank you, Father, that your word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto your path. Father, thank you that you reveal it to us ever more so, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that your spirit, the Holy Spirit, is our teacher. And as we continue now, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will bless everyone in this place. And Father, as we're going to sing now and take up the offering and eat, I pray over the food that we're going to eat. Father, I thank you for the offering. And Father, I thank you also for the opportunity to come together in this place and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.